This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Where to Go. I'm James Atkinson, Brand Manager at DKI Witness. And I'm Lucy Richards, Senior Editor at DKI Witness. And welcome to Where to Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with the people who know those places best. And today, Lucy, where are we? We are going to Portland. Yes. So um, (laughs) over to the Pacific Northwest uh, to one of the kind of coolest cities in America. I mean, it's, um, I think, you know, there are many kind of like visions of what portland's like but i think it it is kind of a do-it-yourself community it's um lots of like kind of um uh, sort of cultural movements i'm a big fan of lots of the music that's come out of portland yes Um, have you ever been james i've never been no i've never been to the west coast which uh i need to rectify at some point definitely um, i've been to the west coast i've not been to portland but you're so right when i think of portland i think of great food great drink and i think of the the creative scene as you say music bookshops i just think of all the good stuff in life local local businesses like um you know real kind of like yeah community kind of spirit but i mean we've both never been so we do need an expert to kind of take us uh, through through some of that and we do have a great expert so today we have portland-based food and drink writer and cat lover alex frayne who is here to give us some insider tips on the city so welcome alex hello thank you very much for having me hello alex it's brilliant to have you on the pod um and looking very much forward to hearing about your recommendations on portland So Alex, tell us, what part of Portland do you live in? Well, that's kind of a, an odd question to answer right now, because for the last, uh, about a year now, I've been really itinerant. So um, in the midst of the quarantine and shutdown and everything last year, I decided it would be best to actually move home. 
um, to help my mom out with the house and to kind of um, adapt to this new situation we were all in. But for the last year, I've spent maybe a quarter of the time living there and considerably more time living in other people's homes. Uh, that sounds strange. <laughs> um, um, since you introduced me as a cat sitter, I've been primarily cat sitting for people um, or just house sitting as well, which has really provided me an awesome opportunity mm. to explore neighborhoods that I never have or that I haven't been able to dive deep into um, earlier. So it's actually been beneficial to my um, both my living situation and for my work to be able to see neighborhoods that are somewhat new to me or less explored uh, areas of town that I haven't spent as much time in and et cetera. When I am at home, I'm in mm -hmm. Southeast Portland. Um, the city, for those who don't know, is divided kind of confusingly into five quadrants. Okay. We call them quadrants, okay. but there's five of them. <laughs> and there's actually six. There's actually six now. So there's uh, Southwest, Northwest, North, Northeast, and Southeast are the five primary quadrants, but we've added a South. And that's kind of how most Portlanders tend to view the city mm -hmm. is separated into these sections. Uh, so I'm in Southeast. Uh, my neighborhood is Sunnyside and it's where I grew up. Oh, cool. Um, so, and, and you've actually like, so you've grown up there, you've lived there most of your life or did you kind of move away? Did you have years where you, you went elsewhere? The only time I moved away was for university. I spent about uh, five or six years down in Eugene, which is about two and a half hours south of Portland, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I attended the University of Oregon. Uh, other than that, I've lived my whole life in Portland. Almost all of it in Southeast Portland, actually. Oh, oh fabs. So you're properly born and bred? I am born and raised Portland. It's a rarity in the city. I was going to say, it does seem like a city which attracts like lots of people, you know, kind of a, a certain type of person. Was there a fact about Portland that like it's in terms of it's got like the most people who are not from there or something like that? I haven't heard that, but that would not surprise me. I mean, that's kind of the common narrative, at least. I, I don't have the numbers to back it up. But, you know, I have a few friends from grade school, mm. um, but most of my friends were not raised in the city like I was. So what kind of what kind of makes Portland so special? What's worth like kind of sticking around? That's a really good question. Um, I think it changes over the years. For one thing, it's always been a really pleasant city to live in weather-wise uh, until recently, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, we had a lot of gray, rainy days for many, many, many years, and that was sort of well-known. But what was less known for people, um, except those that lived here or moved here, was that we have really amazing summers, uh, really temperate, really... Uh, clear, just really, really nice spring, summer, even into fall. Um, recent years have seen a pretty dramatic change. We had um, one of the most devastating heat waves in modern history mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. a few months ago. We reached 120 Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what that is, Celsius. I think it's in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was devastating. Um, I'm not sure why I'm going on to this subject when you asked me what was so attractive about the city. I'm sorry. Um, and the city was really affordable for artists and creators and food service and all sorts of people who kind of maybe didn't have a traditional sort of career uh, were able to settle here in Portland for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's also changing just as the city gets more popular and the cost of living goes up and rent and things like that go up. But I think both of those elements were really attractive to Portlanders or to people moving to Portland. Yeah. Um, so, so you had that cost of living, you had the really nice weather, and you had what I think is just a really friendly city. Um, some people say that Portlanders are kind of reserved, um, mm. but I think that in general, we try to be, at least I try to be as a native, um, as welcoming as possible to people because, you know, we're all trying to share on what it is and we're all trying to make it better. 
Um, so it just had this kind of pioneer spirit. It um, has a lot of people who moved here so they could start artistic careers or film or open restaurants, things like that. It was kind of an opportunity city, I, I think, for um a lot of people. Yeah, and a, a city where it sounds like lots of people go to meet like-minded people as well and, and, and embrace yeah, com- creative absolutely. communities, for sure. Um, Alex, what do you love most about it? Like, what's kind of kept you in Portland? That's a really another really good question. Um, for one thing, I, I'm not a driver. I don't drive. And one of the things I really appreciate about this city is how incredibly bike-friendly it mm-hmm. is, how walking it's a really really good walking city our blocks are actually shorter than most american city blocks uh okay. which makes it much easier to get around places as pedestrian uh we have a really great public transportation system we have bike rentals we have uh light rail and buses and trams um so that's one of my favorite things about the city is just how uh traversable it is mm. mm-hmm. Um, we also have really beautiful, I mean, it's a really green city. We have the largest park in city limits in the United States. It's called Forest Park. It's on the um, west side of the city. Um, ah. The city is split west and east by the, uh, by the river. Mm. The Lamette River flows north, south to north through the city. And then um, west is kind of downtown and the northwest area and where Forest Park is. And then the east is kind of the larger part of the city. So it sounds like a lovely city to kind of walk around? Yeah, absolutely. We don't have, we have really tight urban growth boundaries. So uh, there's not a lot of sprawl. I mean, there certainly is some, we have suburbs and a a lot of areas that people don't really realize are Portland that are Portland. But when you're talking about just like the inner city, it's really actually a fairly contained city, which makes it um, much less of a commute to get across. Is that kind of like a, 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 uh, the kind of like lack of like cars and uh, well the ability to sort of cycle and walk around quite easily is that a conscious dis- like sort of local government decision is that um yeah it's certainly been part of our identity mm. um you know one of our nicknames is bike town um we're just really really committed to that kind of there's a lot of environmentalism yeah. in portland um and mm. a lot of envi- environmentalism in the pacific northwest in general seattle washington oregon and so I think that definitely is a point of pride. And obviously there's a lot of drivers. I mean, we, we, we sure. not like a car-free city remotely, but mm. uh, during the pandemic, we actually shut some streets down for plazas for people to have outdoor dining and things like that, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into later. But, um, you know, we've prioritized certain things above driving sometimes. Uh, and we have really good bike lanes, for instance. That's really cool to hear. I mean, uh, so many cities in the world, it's quite impossible to um, cycle around. I remember we were doing an episode on, on Tokyo with with our friend Lucy, who was talking about how the pandemic meant she was able to like cycle across Shibuya for the, like, the first oh, wow. time ever <laughs> and stuff. So it is... Um, that must be strange. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, that's really quite encouraging to hear. And you kind of touched on it, but like those kind of creative communities in Portland. Mm-hmm. Are you kind of involved in any? Do you kind of, um, uh, is there any kind of musical or like kind of writing sort of groups and stuff that you're part of? Um, not at the moment. What's funny is um, I'm a theater major. I actually have a Bachelor of Arts uh, in theater from the University of Oregon, but I, I don't do much theater in in, uh, in Portland. And by much, I mean, I, I don't do any. <laughs> um, when it comes to the arts and everything like that, I think, you know, my primary focus is because of my not just because of my job, but sort of where I gravitated was towards the the food and drink element of mm-hmm. the city. And that's definitely what I'm most involved in. But that's still very much a craft. 
you know, it's still very much a, a huge cultural part of the city. It's a really, really, really big part of the Portland lifestyle. I think it's the number one employer in the city is the service industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot live in the city without knowing a good handful of servers or cooks or bartenders or restaurant managers. Um, so that's definitely what I'm, I'm most involved in when it comes to Portland, I would say. That's really good because our next section is all about the best things <laughs> to do in Portland. So it nicely Fantastic. links into that. So let's find out about the best places to go in Portland. Okay, so we are now going to discuss with Alex uh, some of the best things to do in Portland. So Alex, what are some highlights that you'll kind of give to any visitor who's like kind of planning a sort of weekend visit or a few days in Portland? What, what are the things that you must, must do? So here's kind of my itinerary that I would give or outline that I would give. First of all, one of the really cool things about Portland is that when you fly to our airport, PDX, which is also what we refer to the city as often, it's often shorthanded to our airport code for some reason. That's just kind of a a little quirk. So when you fly to the airport, you can pay $2.50 to take the light rail into downtown Portland. Mm -hmm. We have a really, really easy way to get from the airport to basically anywhere in town. Super affordable, super quick. Um, So... From there, what I always suggest is to uh, get your transportation, and I think you should rent a bike while you're in Portland. So I think it's the best way to see the city. Uh, like I said, it's super bike-friendly, and I think it's a great perspective to have. Rather than driving around and kind of missing things, mm, mm, mm. It, it's a small enough town that you can find a neighborhood, you can bike around in there, and you can actually see it like a local. Yeah. Um, so once you have your transportation kind of figured out, Um, One of the most famous things about Portland, obviously, and you probably have heard of this, is our brewery scene. Yes. Um, Oregon has more breweries per capita than any place in the world, I believe. I know it did. I think it um, competed with Germany at one point. I'm not sure if it still does. Um, that's that's quite a claim to fame, though. That is that is quite. It, it was had a huge amount of breweries. Portland is is has an almost comical amount of breweries. There's sort of a running joke about you know every time a new brewery opens, it's like oh you know we don't have enough of those yet. Uh, <laughs> the, the city has a lot of nicknames. One of them is Brewvana or Beervana. Okay. So a brewery tour is one of the, like, I would say almost to the point of cliche, but there's a reason for that. And that is because we really, really do have an awesome supply of breweries. And it's not just, for a long time, it was very dominated by like a particular style. We really liked our IPAs, Uh, but we really, really branched out. So you have a really, you know, large scene of people making aged beers and sour beers and all sorts of, you know, kind of more experimental we have breweries that are more focused uh, on lagers rather than ales. Mm-hmm. So you actually have kind of more of that like Germanic style mm-hmm. breweries. We have farmhouse breweries. We have, you know, classic style Pacific Northwest overhopped IPA breweries. We've got it all. So that's definitely a huge part of our culture. And then on uh, a, a similar sort of side, the other big part of our culture is, of course, coffee. Mm. Um, we were uh, Stump Town is yet another nickname for the city and it became a really prominent uh, chain of roasters, which actually expanded out of the city. They've got some town in New York. Uh, I think they have it in the UK, but I, I could totally be wrong about that. But then we also have, you know, dozens, uh, if not hundreds of other local roasters and 
coffee shops and baristas. It's a big part of our culture. So morning, morning and evening. Exactly. Work, exactly. When, when you want, when you want to have <laughs> yeah. your beer and burrito, obviously. That's exactly right. Um, I we was also say I'm really, I'm really thirsty now after right? <laughs> the coffee and the beers. <laughs> um, and you know that that's just a. Um, so once again, it's a bit cliche, but it's a big part of Portland. We also have um, a lot of local uh, distilleries. Yeah. So yeah. distilleries that make gin. Um, and brandy. We have a really robust oh, brandy weird. scene that people don't know about. That's, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Well, we're also um, we're also a really prominent wine state. Yes. Uh, so right outside of Portland is the Willamette Valley. Well, I think Portland technically is in the Willamette Valley because the Willamette runs right through. Um, but there are literally over eight hundred wineries. I want to say or eight hundred wow. vineyards. One of the two, I think wineries, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vineyards and wineries making um, all sorts of wine. And so because of that, you also have brandy and we have really amazing fruit orchards as well, right outside of the city and within the city too. So you have this really amazing, um, robust apple brandy scene. So we're really all about imbibing. I mean, whether it's coffee or beer or local (laughs) wines or local cocktails and, you know, made from local spirits, like that's, and local is the other thing, right? We're really, really obsessed both with having these products and having them be our own, having them be local. So another suggestion I always make is to go take a day trip to wine country. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, You have these incredible rolling hills covered in vineyards and orchards. Um, It's much cooler than the city is. So when it's really hot out, you can kind of go escape from the heat and see these misty hills covered in vineyards. It's really beautiful. Amazing. Um, so outside of drinking, which is um, <laughs> sort of where I started my work was writing about bars. Writing- what, what else would you want to do, Alex? What's uh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's also the case. Once you're done drinking, you can go home. You, you, you can leave the city. <laughs> then you can get the light um, rail back and go to the airport. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and safely. That's the other thing about public transportation is that, it's, you know, you're able to go on a brewery tour and not risk your, you know, safety getting yeah. back to your hotel or back to your home. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, the other thing that sets Portland apart from a lot of other cities is our really strong food cart scene. Uh, food carts are an integral part of our food scene. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many restaurants in the city began as food carts or food trucks and then uh, moved up to being a brick and mortar. And we have these food cart pods, which I believe are not unique to Portland, but at least uh particular to Portland. I don't think there's a lot of other places that have the same sort of setup that we have. Okay. We have dozens of food cart pods where each pod will have, you know, anywhere between four and 30 food carts. Some of them are really, really, really big. Some of them are smaller. And in these pods, you have this incredible level of diversity as far as the cultures and cuisines and everything that you're there. So you could have a kebab shop right next door to a Vietnamese noodle you know, cart, which is right next door to a vegan fried chicken cart. Um, wow. And, and so on and so forth. And you can just have, you know, so you can go as a group. If you're traveling with a group, you can go to one pod and everyone can find a totally different style of food. So they can all find something that they like, you know, whether you're, you're eating meat or not. So we have a really, really strong vegetarian and mm-hmm. vegan mm-hmm. scene as well. Uh, so you can go to a cart and get like a vegan donut and then go get Vietnamese fried chicken right next door. Amazing. So the food carts are a really big part of Portland. And there's always, almost always a beer cart at the food cart pods. So they'll have some local beer. So you can kind of knock that off your, uh, and a coffee cart, you know, you, you can really just make a whole day of a day out of one pod, basically. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, and you, you sort of said that like kind of some restaurants started as, as, as these kind of food carts and stuff. Is there kind of any like kind of famous examples of those? 
Oh, any famous examples? Um, so Nong's Kalmangai is one of Portland's kind of favorite success stories. Uh, Nong is this really amazing chef. She moved from Thailand with, I think, like $100 in her pocket. Um, she came here. She worked in a restaurant. She opens a food cart that sold exclusively chicken and rice. Mm-hmm. That was that was basically it. And then at one point, she had, I think, three food carts and two brick and mortars. I believe she's currently, because of the pandemic and a lot of other things, she's down to just one food cart, potentially. Um, it, it, it's going to be one brick and mortar, potentially. But she's kind of one of Portland's favorite like success stories. Um, everyone loves Nong. Everyone loves her chicken and rice. It's this incredibly simple dish that's somehow, like, ephemeral. I mean, it's just really amazing. Um, we have a lot of, oddly enough, um, Italian restaurants that started as food carts. You, you wouldn't think you could make a lot of pasta in a food cart, but they managed to. Goomba <laughs> is one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that are really well known. Um, we have a Hawaiian cart that just opened its brick and mortar called Grind with Tries. And even, you know, they opened in the midst of the pandemic and they had a line down the street every single day anyways and still do oh, wow so it's really like kind of the world coming together in portland loads of different i i, I think that's a yeah absolutely and it has its own challenges but it's also been able to navigate the pandemic better than other places because all of these food cart pods are outside in fact mm. um we've seen kind of a funny transition where this you know narrative for a long time was you open a food cart then you open a brick and mortar we've actually had at least two restaurants that were brick and mortar restaurants that were really established for decades. And one of them closed and reopened as a food cart. And then the other one closed and reopened a food and, and opened a food cart to kind of serve as an auxiliary place. They're reopened now, but their food cart is still going strong as well. So you have this kind of reversal because of these, these adaptations and pivots that people have been making. So the pandemic has kind of shown that it can work both ways and you can actually kind of, uh, your food cart can yeah. be a way of getting out there and being more flexible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's really cool. And then to kind of move away from food and drink, just because that is my primary focus. But um, like I said earlier, uh, Portland has a bunch of really amazing green spaces. Um, One of my favorite places that I think anyone should travel to on a trip here, it's really easy to get to, it's just in the center of Southeast Portland, is Mount Tabor. So it's technically an active volcano. Um, It's not like active. There's there's no seismic activity or anything, but... um, it is uh, a big, essentially just a big hump in the middle of, of Southeast Portland. Um, but it, it has a couple of reservoirs on it, um, a few parks, a lot of trees. And when you get to the top of it, you have this amazing view of the entire city. You can walk around and see the whole city laid out in front of you. And it's just this really um, wow. a, amazing view. Wow. I did not know that about Portland. Yeah. yeah That's um, really cool. I don't think, surely not that many cities can boast having a volcano. No, I don't think so. I think it's technically a cinder cone or something like that. I always get confused. For a long time, people were saying it was the only active volcano in city limits in the United States, but I don't know what exactly it means to be active. It's certainly not sure. threatening to blow its top or anything. <laughs> We've had that happen, not not there, but Mount Hood, not too, excuse me, uh, Mount St. Yeah, Helens, not yeah, too far I away. Say. Uh, I think that was in the 80s. Because that was dormant for, for hundreds of years, right? Or, or thousands right. of and years, then, and then boom. Um, coated the entire Northwestern ash. That's actually something to do. Um, as it, Other than going out west to wine country, going out east to explore the Columbia River Gorge. So we have the Willamette River, which cuts one way, and then we have the Columbia River, which was the famous route of Lewis and Clark on their trip to the west. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Columbia River Gorge is some of the most 
stunning um, natural landscape within. I mean, it's about 20 minutes from the city. I think that's where Multnomah Falls, which is the most famous area. But there's areas such as Eagle Creek and other places that have these hikes that you can either do just, you know, a short few hour hike, or you can actually camp overnight in certain places. And there's waterfalls and mountains and all sorts of things like that. It sounds wonderful. And then, of course, there's Mount Hood and, and the other mountain ranges in the Cascades. So now you've talked, like, sort of almost taken on us, us on a kind of tour through uh, some of the best, like, highlights there in Portland. Are there any kind of, like, lesser-known parts of the cities that, you, that you'd be kind of willing to share with us, a few things off the beaten track? Absolutely. So I think one of the mistakes that people make when traveling here, and it's a really understandable mistake to make, is to stick to the city center. Mm. Um, one of the worst things I would say you can do while visiting Portland is to spend your whole time downtown. Um, so downtown Portland is where the bulk of the hotels are. So it's likely where you'll be starting from. And I, I kind of want to get into this because I know you're going to ask me a bit more later about how the city has changed. And that's a separate conversation. But I, I think staying downtown or staying in the city center can be a mistake. If you're looking for more um, local focused, you know, off the beaten path, like you said, one of the cool things about the city is that we also have, uh, it's a very neighborhood focused city. Mm -hmm. uh, people really like their neighborhoods. Their neighborhoods can kind of create little pocket towns, essentially. So um, east of Mount Tabor, there is this little town called Montevilla, which is literally Mount Tabor Village. That's it looks like Montevilla, but it's Montevilla. Okay. And it's just this cute little strip. Um, it's mostly one street and then a couple of other little neighborhoods. There's some food carts. There's basically everything you want, right? There's um, a movie theater, a cocktail bar, a couple of dive bars, a brew pub, a tap house, food carts, some fine dining, and some casual breakfast places. So it's kind of like you can just kind of live there and spend your time there. So if you spent like a whole day there, it would be a very different experience than what other people might have while touring Portland. It doesn't have as many of those kind of famous locales that you might have yeah. heard of, but I think that has some really great places. Uh, similarly, um, when you talk about North Portland, there's a couple of different neighborhoods, but one of them is St. John's. And St. John's is recognizable to people from outside of Portland because of the St. John's Bridge. Uh, Portland has 12 bridges, 13 bridges now, I think. And it's most famous by far is the St. John's Bridge. It's beautiful. It always ends up on lists of uh, like the world's most beautiful bridges. If you take any time to look at the Portland uh, Instagram page or Portland Reddit or anything like traveling Portland, you will undoubtedly see photos of the St. John's Bridge. And at the base of the St. John's Bridge in the north is Cathedral Park. And Cathedral Park is sort of almost... Uh, uh, comically known as a place where people get their engagement photos taken. Like, it's to the point that it's almost cliche. Um, I went there in the middle of a terrible snowstorm and there were still people taking photos of their engagement. <laughs> Surely it's that's the more unique. The that's, the, that's more commitment yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the cause. Uh, exactly. Uh, but St. John's itself is uh, a really cute neighborhood. Um, and al almost more than any other part of town, it is its own little town. It even has its own downtown Um and it has uh, some incredible pizza. Um, some, it's just a nice kind of sleepy, secluded neighborhood. It's flanked by two rivers. It's almost like a peninsula kind of leading off the northwestern tip of Portland. So it's very much its own little place. And you wouldn't really go there unless you wanted to go see the bridge. But I think it's worth a trip. Nice. And then um, on the opposite side of the city in deep southeast Portland is called the Jade District. And... Uh, that's sort of a relatively recent name for this neighborhood. 
And it's where a very large amount of our uh, Vietnamese and Chinese and other immigrant populations, Russian, live. Um, it's got a very distinct culture from the rest of the city. Uh, it's got some really amazing places to visit for shopping and especially for, you know, incredible Vietnamese food. It's where the bulk of our dim sum restaurants are if you're looking for Chinese food. Um, as you can tell, a lot of my trip planning in Portland is culinary based. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's the best kind, Alex. That's what I'm after. It's for the food and drink recommends. I'm glad, I'm glad you say so. And that is my job. So it is my perspective. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I think there's a great little tour of Portland there and kind of a, a many reasons to kind of leave the center and get out and uh, explore those kind of neighborhoods. And I think we're now going to move on uh, to a couple of quickfire questions, which Lucy is going to start. Yes, this is I think, sounds great. This is like my favourite part. It's the quickfire yes. section. Yes. So, Alex, clear your mind, and we'll okay. put you on the spot. So, um, if you had to choose your favourite day activity, it's one that I haven't been able to do in a year, and that's working from a cafe. Have my laptop you know, writing a story or just talking with my friends online or whatever from a cafe that's busy. Yeah. To me, that is a very Portland scene. Yeah, I think so too. Because, you know, the, the big coffee, very creative. I can just imagine lots of locals doing that. And you'll run into someone you know. That's the other great thing about it, mm, right? That's, mm. you know, that's what I should have said actually when you asked me about one of my favorite parts of the city is that even today, even with people being home more often than not, um, I cannot go outside without running into somebody that I know. And that's one of my absolutely favorite parts of the city. And hanging out at a cafe and running into, a, you know, a coworker or an acquaintance or a friend is, is yeah. yeah, that's Hard the best. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and this might be quite tricky. Big question. <laughs> your favorite place to drink? That is a very tricky question. <laughs> I mean, do... we've already <laughs> discussed a few. Yeah. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say that anywhere that has a good cocktail, a good happy hour, and a patio. Okay. Okay. Oh. Cool. So yeah. Good answer. It, it, it. Whatever neighborhood I'm in, I'm going to find my favorite bar there for a happy hour drink on the patio in summer. Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll see you there. If you're planning a trip to the Pacific Northwest, why not get closer to your next adventure with DKI Witness Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. Whether you want to hike through the spellbinding landscapes of the Rockies and wind with homebrew beer in Portland or venture to Vancouver for immersive galleries and innovative dining, your DKI Witness travel guide makes sure you experience all that the Pacific Northwest has to offer. Find it in all good bookstores or via the link in our episode bio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
so, uh, so Alex, how has Portland kind of changed in recent times? Um, you touched on it a little bit with the pandemic earlier. Um, have things started to get back to normal or feel like they're back to normal? That's a hard question to answer. Yes and no. Um, so I, I want to take a step back and just talk a little bit about how Portland has changed in recent times prior to the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. And so, like I said earlier, um, you know, for a long time, the city was really attractive because of its cost of living was really affordable. People were able to be artists or creators or restaurant owners or whatever. And that has certainly changed. Um, we've, for a while there, Portland was the fastest growing cost of living in this country. Uh, it wasn't the highest, but it was the highest growing. And it plateaued a bit in recent years. Um, rent started to plateau a little bit. You know, more and more people were able to find places, so there's less demand. But that certainly has changed. And if you talk to older Portlanders um, or people who moved here, there's this constant narrative about old Portland. That's sort of something that gets referenced a lot about what old Portland was. Old Portland was weirder. Old Portland was cooler. Old Portland was cheaper. And there's a certain truth to that. But in all those sort of truths, there's also some pretty glaring contradictions Mm. that – that there was certainly that, but there was also a lot more problems that the city has addressed. And then there are new problems that the city is addressing right now as well, or trying to, or people within the city are addressing. Um, one of the biggest things that's changed about the city, say, in the past 10 years, is something that's really ugly, and it's something that you cannot ignore, um, especially given my position and given my privileges, which is that I'm staying today right now uh, on Mississippi Avenue. It's a really, really cool street. It's filled with some of these really awesome bars and restaurants. It has one of the best uh, food cart pod in the city. Um, And it's also a street that has been deeply gentrified in the last decade. And a lot of these really, really cool neighborhoods that I want to talk about or they have talked about are also, um, you know, victims of gentrification. There were people who, who used to live here people who are not white, who are now no longer able to live here because of um, an an actual concerted effort by homeowners to basically price them out. Mm, mm, And that's just something that the city, you you know, there it's, it's difficult sometimes trying to celebrate all the things that you love about a city when it also has um, a pretty ugly history uh, where, where there's a lot of darker parts of the city and of the Northwest in general that we don't like talking about that affects us today, right? That, that history of, of white supremacy uh, mm-hmm. affects the entire Northwest. It was essentially founded that way. And it still trickles down to this very day. And you can still see changes throughout the last 10, 15, 20 years of the city of people being priced out of um, black folk, especially being um, forced out of neighborhoods and things like that. Mm. Yeah. On the flip side, you also see a city that's becoming more and more culturally and racially diverse. You do have more and more people of color who were able to create uh, their lives here, um, sometimes helping to fight for it, you know, very literally. But you, you do have a city that is trying, I believe, sincerely trying to grow and better itself. Um, so that's kind of how the city has changed in a, a very, very general sense is mm-hmm. that it's kind of has these forces of both gentrification as well as increasing diversity and increasing, hopefully, acceptance and uh, the promotion. You know, that there's been a lot more emphasis on promoting, um, say, women winemakers or people of color who own coffee roasters or things like that. There, there's been this very concerted effort to try to make uh, the city a more welcoming place for people who don't just look like me. 
uh, because that is what it, you know, what it was defined by for so many years. And obviously there's pushback against that. And obviously there's some performative aspects of that, but I think I like to believe the city is trying to be more inclusive and more diverse and to support its people more and more. And it's certainly the people that I support and that I know in my life are doing that very thing. So that's how it's changed, I would say, in recent times, both for good and for bad. So I wanted to ask Alex how sort of COVID-19 has impacted life in Portland. But on the plus side, has that been, you know, we've had a lot of people sort of say that actually the pandemic has meant that city dwellers have really tried to support smaller businesses. And as you said, those sort of like black owned businesses, et cetera. Has that been something, has that been a positive of COVID in Portland? Um, yes and no, uh, and as with all things. So as you know, COVID-19 disproportionately affects people of color. It, it just does. It, it, it affects businesses from people of color. It affects them. More people of color die from it than, mm-hmm. than uh, white folk do, at least in the United States. That's the case. So in, in many ways, COVID-19 has been no benefit at all to the city's diversity. What it has done, however, is profoundly, profoundly changed the conversation in the city about how we work, how we live, and who is betting who is benefiting from what. Mm, mm. So last summer, um, excuse me. Um, no worries. So last summer, George Floyd was murdered. And this country and the UK, you know, erupted, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen a movement like that in, in my life. And for some reason, Portland, this extremely white, Northwestern city, far removed from a lot of what was going on, was all of a sudden put as kind of the epicenter of these protests. Mm. Um, weirdly enough, at, at least, and, and I'm not saying that, that Portland was the epicenter of it, I'm sorry, I should say that, but there was a ton of media focus suddenly on our city. Yeah. I mean, we had the, you know, the president of the United States of America routinely attacking our city, talking about how it's this, you know, hotbed of, of, anarchist chaos and violence, right? You know, you had every conservative and every mainstream media outlet all last summer depicting our city as this, uh, you know, total chaos. And you still see people constantly online asking me about how Portland, you know, how dangerous it is and that, Mm -hmm. you know, wild activists are running around burning down buildings. This incredibly artificial narrative was built because we had a very, very strong protest. Um, Portland has always been a protest city. Mm-hmm. Um, a previous Republican president once called us Little Beirut um, because of our, our constant demonstrations. So we had the feds come in. Uh, for months, the feds were tear-gassing citizens, uh, literally tear-gassing people in their homes. That's not hyperbole. You know, we, we have records of children wearing gas masks in their own home because of federal police uh, firing canisters down, you know, city streets and things like that. So the pandemic on top of these protests um, really, really suddenly fundamentally changed our conversation. Mm. And it changed my role as a journalist in a way that I never expected. And it changed the structure of businesses. It changed, you know, how people work from home, right? Um, So I touched on this briefly earlier, but there's this Again, this kind of narrative that's been pushed by media that downtown Portland has been, you know, 
destroyed by activists, right? That's this, you know, people still today tell me they're like, oh, well, you know, they burned down your city and you still support them. And they didn't, right? That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. There were certainly, there was certainly violence. There was certainly vandalism. It remains today. And downtown Portland, there's no getting around it, is a, essentially a shell of what it once was. But that's largely due to the fact that that pandemic shut down two major things that um, really drove downtown Portland. One of them was office workers, with people working mm-hmm. from home, there's just far, far less need for offices to be you know, active, which means that all the restaurants and sure. bars that served office workers are struggling. The other thing is hotels. So prior to the pandemic, uh, there was this really fast-growing scene of Portland hotel, bars, and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And most of those are now shuttered. They're gone. We have this really amazing luminary chef in Portland. Uh, his name is Paley, Vitaly Paley. Um, he had, I want to say, five downtown restaurants and they're all gone now so he still has his original restaurant in in northwest portland he's kind of gone back to his roots with his original place paley's place excellent fine dining restaurant if you're in the neighborhood really really great Mm -hmm. worth a destination but downtown portland looks you know very different from what it used to and the rest of the city does too and so alex are people coming back are people coming back to portland are you having are you having sort of visitors return or at the moment is the city quite kind of, is it just doing its thing? I'm really hoping that at some point, you know, we will all be able to travel again. Do you sort of recommend, is there a particular time when James and I, because we're going to come over, we're going to see you, we're going to go for beers. <laughs> um, is there a particular time when we should be, you know, you know, do you recommend a, a sweet spot in Portland's year to come over and, um, and uh, and see the city. I think spring is probably the nicest time to do that. I, I would say like April, May is usually a really, really beautiful time in Portland. Uh, trying to lighten the mood here a little. Um, our, 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 I've been talking a lot about our city's nicknames. I think the city's most famous nickname is the City of Roses. And um, when you talk about places to visit and things like that, we have rose gardens all across the city, whether those are on their own or in parks. And in spring, that's when they're all blossoming, right? We have this, Lovely. usually this really incredible rainfall over the winter, which leads to beautiful uh, roses. We're in a drought right now, and hopefully we're going to move out of that one day. Um, mm. But still right now, spring is an amazing time to come visit. Mm. Uh, but that's when I, I, I think it's the best time to visit the city. You might get caught by the occasional rainstorm, but... Uh, we used to it, us Brits. Yeah, it's because yeah. you're from the UK, you know what it's like. Yeah, exactly. We, we know exactly what to expect <laughs> there. Um, but no, that sounds, uh, spring is always like a lovely time for a coffee and a beer as well. So, uh, exactly. Kind of yeah. exactly. goes nicely into that. Cool. Well, um, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Alex. Um, uh, it's you. been wonderful to hear about it's Portland, both, you know, uh, the brilliance of the city, the amazing food and culture, and, and also some of the more difficult conversations of, of, of recent times as well. It was really, really insightful. Um, personally as well i just i have always loved the idea of portland i mean it's um uh mainly from a music perspective for me but it's um, uh, um yeah like k records and stuff like that and uh we we that's something i didn't touch on but we do have a really great you know a lot of local acts and touring acts and things like that some really cool venues yeah and they're those are starting to come back so i i will say that you know people are able to go to shows now that that's really really cool to hear i mean that's uh yeah it's one of my kind of 
dream places to go musically so but, well you should you should absolutely come well, and i'll let you know if we do when we when we manage Please. to make it over as well oh, me and lucy have like a list I, I as, long as, like, as long as my arm of like uh, places we need to <laughs> we go. just want to yeah to go and see one of our wonderful podcast yeah, we'll guests just, excellent and uh, for them to take take us to all their favorite places and I'll, I'll definitely make time thanks so much for joining us um it's been it's been wonderful to have you on the on the podcast and brilliant to hear about portland as well thank you very much for having me so a huge thank you to Alex uh, for anyone wanting to follow his adventures in Portland or just look at a few lovely cat pictures. <laughs> you can follow him on Instagram at Franiac. And uh, where are we next week, Lucy? Um, so join us in our next episode where we'll be visiting Wales. Oh, wonderful Wales. That will be fantastic. Can't wait. Um, yeah, a little bit different to Portland, a little yep. bit closer to home. Yeah, for uh, you and me. Yeah, close yep. to home. Be nice. But um, yeah, it'll be, uh, I mean, there's so much to discuss there. Can't wait to see where we start. So thanks to you, listener. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. I hope you've learned a lot about Portland today. Um, and thanks to you, Lucy. And thanks to you, James. And we shall see you very soon. Where to Go is produced by the team at DKI Witness and the wonderful Julia Baker. It was presented by James Atkinson and Lucy Richards and mastered by Johnny Coddington at Bottle Rocket Recordings. For more information about DKI Witness, follow us on social media at DKI Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. And please remember to like, rate, review and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means so much to us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.